Hello, and welcome to Minas Tirith, the podcast where we explore Tolkien's world and answer questions from you. My name is Mina. And this is Brian. This is episode five of the podcast. In today's episode, we will be gearing up for the Rings of Power season one finale. I will talk more about Mithril, Galadriel, Sauron, more of underdeveloped characters, and my personal recommendations on which Tolkien books to read. Well, welcome back, listeners. We're really excited to see how this season will end. So we hope that this discussion here will help prepare you for the season finale. So let's begin with Mithril. Mina, you didn't seem pleased about this while we were watching episode seven, from what I can remember. Can you tell us more about what Tolkien says about Mithril? Sure. So in episode seven, the show makes it seem as if Mithril has magical properties. In a previous Rings of Power episode, they also shared that story that Mithril was made through the light of a lost Silmaril or something like that. I just had to roll my eyes at this part because it is all bogus. Mithril doesn't have magical properties in Tolkien's books. Sure, it is harder than any other metal and more precious than gold, but it is a skill of the elves and their crafting abilities that create the rings of power. It's about the art of making their rings. Each ring is supposed to have a special ability and it takes years to create. So turning Mithril into a magical stone just takes away the emphasis that Tolkien put on art and elven craft making. Hmm. So it seems like Amazon might have taken some creative liberties here. Uh, you've brought up this thing called Silmarils, right? Can you explain what those are? Yeah, great question. The Silmarils, there are three. This is the chief reason why the Noldor elves left Valinor and exiled themselves to Middle-earth. Yes, most of them wanted their own realms, but one branch of the family swore an oath related to the Silmarils. This is what started the war against Morgoth because he stole them. And at the end of the first age after the War of Wrath, one Silmaril is placed as a star in the night sky in the guardianship of Eärendil, which I won't elaborate here. The other two are lost. One was thrown into the sea, the other was thrown into the depths of the earth. And this all takes place in Beleriand, the setting of the first age, which is nowhere near the misty mountains where the Mithril is, where the show claims there is a tree that has the light of the lost Silmaril. So that is why I rolled my eyes at the Amazon show, because it's deviating away from Tolkien big time. I mean, seriously, major eye rolls. Okay, well, thanks for explaining that. So what do you think they will do with the Mithril? So after the First Age, after the War of Wrath, the Noldor Elves were urged by Ionwe, Herald of Manwe and Amaya, to return to the Blessed Realm. But some elves delayed. They wanted the peace and bliss and perfect memory of the Blessed Realm, yet remain on Middle-earth where their prestige as the highest people was greater than being at the bottom of the hierarchy of Valinor. That's why the elves were obsessed with fading and with finding a way to preserve their people. Mm. So according to Tolkien, the chief power of the three elven rings was a prevention or slowing of decay the preservation of beauty, providing endurance, and it also enhanced the natural powers of the possessor, hence seemingly looks like magic powers. Mm, I wouldn't mind having one of those. So the three elven rings were Vilya, the ring of sapphire, the ring of air. 
It was originally worn by Gil Galad, and the final bearer was Elrond. In Imladris, aka Rivendell, the stars shine the brightest over Elrond's home. I think it means that Elrond was able to hear and see things further than others, and I also think that it enhanced Elrond's healing abilities. Next, Narya, the Ring of Fire, set with Ruby. Gandalf was the final bearer of this ring, given to him by Círdan the Shipwright when Gandalf first landed on Middle-earth as the last emissary. Círdan foresaw that Gandalf was the greatest of the fight Astari and gave him Narya to aid him on his mission. It enhanced Gandalf's abilities to inspire others and kindle hope, as well as his ability to wield a flame. Now the last ring was Nenya, the White Ring the Ring of Adamant, the Ring of Water. It was made out of Mithril. Nenya only had one bearer, Galadriel. It could ward off the decays of time and postpone the wariness of the world. It also enhanced Galadriel's ability to perceive the hearts of men. It protected Lothlorien as well. So although Tolkien wrote that only Nenya was made out of Mithril, maybe on the show, Mithril will be used to make other rings of power. Okay. Lothlorien. Well, that's a new one. So it seems like there's a lot of jewels in these stories. It just seems like they seem to be the source of many of the problems. What do you think? Well, I think the jewels themselves are very beautiful things. For Tolkien, he says that the objective is art, not power. The elves were given many gifts from Iluvatar, and they were to enjoy art and to subcreate like their maker. But to have a possessive attitude towards these things and a desire for power, these things ultimately lead to doom. Mm, very wise. Sounds fairly analogous to the Christian account of creation. So here's another question from our listeners that might be related to what we're talking about. When will Gladriel use her powers like in the Hobbit movies? It's interesting how they portray her in this series compared to the movies, more like a soldier than a mysterious barefooted, gown-wearing, angelic being who has powers to foresee the hearts of men and speak into their minds? Great question from our listener. So the first and second ages of Middle-earth are told from the view of elves who exile themselves to Middle-earth. It's about their rise to power. And at this time of the show, Galadriel is still relatively young and she does not yet have the Ring of Adamant. Now, the last few episodes, she started to show some of her wisdom while she was talking to Isildur and Theo. So while on the Numenorean ship, she told Isildur about his soldier rank, despise not the labor that humbles the heart. Humility has saved entire kingdoms that the proud have all but led to ruin. So there's some of that Galadriel wisdom. Then after the eruption of Mount Doom, she also encouraged Theo by saying, there are powers beyond darkness at work in this world. We've little choice but to trust to their designs and surrender our own. So you can see clearly that she has some wisdom already, but has yet to see further. Okay. Now the story of the Third Age is told from the view of men and from hobbits, because in the Third Age, many of the great Noldor elves left Middle-earth. So, from the viewpoint of men and hobbits, of course Galadriel seems like an angelic being who has great powers. And in the Third Age, Galadriel has the Ring of Adamant, so it enhances her abilities, hence magic-like features. But it's not actually magic. Tolkien calls it art. But I have to say, 
Peter Jackson's version really captures Tolkien's Galadriel. She was obsessed with diminishing, her greatest temptation was her lust for power, and she would rather be a high lady than be at the bottom of the hierarchy in Valinor. So there's currently a gap between the Galadriel on the show and Tolkien. So maybe future seasons will develop her character so that she transforms into the Galadriel of the Third Age. Mm, okay. I think I remember something from those movies about Galadriel. Well, was there anything on the show that you thought was really cool? So I was really excited that Galadriel mentioned her husband, Celeborn. Yay! So Galadriel met Celeborn in Beleriand, specifically in the kingdom of Doriath, where many elves live. So before the end of the First Age, Galadriel and Celeborn would have migrated to the east, where we now know as Linden. But I get it. Amazon is putting some drama and more details to Celeborn and Galadriel's storyline by making them separated and not knowing whether Celeborn is dead or not. But we all know he's alive. Anyways, I was very excited about it. All right. He's alive. That's very good news. So now let's talk about some underdeveloped characters. What's the deal with Bronwyn and her son, Theo? It seems like he could be significant, but he's also a little bit creepy. Yeah, I'm not really sure what the significance is to the character of Theo. And I know in one of my previous episodes, I said that maybe Halbrand becomes one of the nine men with the rings. So I'm going to also guess that Theo might become one of the nine men who also receive rings of power, who eventually turn into the Nazgul. Theo has done some creepy, bad things. And in one of the episodes, he says he feels lost about that creepy sword. He felt powerful when it was in his hands. And then Arondir encourages him to rid himself of it once and for all. That just seems very familiar in terms of how Frodo and Bilbo describe how they feel about the One Ring. Also, Arondir wasn't able to put a dent on the creepy sword, so maybe it's not easily destructible. Perhaps indicating that Sauron was definitely experimenting and making prototypes of the One Ring. Whoa. Okay, just making prototypes. Interesting. Still sounds very evil and creepy. And so for our listeners, if you're keeping count, Mina has now predicted two of the people to be Nazgul. I don't even know what those are, but that's okay. So let's talk about another character who has still yet to appear. Who is Sauron and where is he? Great question. Sauron was originally a Maya who served Aule, but he became a servant of Morgoth, one of his greatest servants. In all the works that Morgoth did, Sauron had a part, and he was only less evil than his master in that he served another for a long time and not himself, but he followed his master down the same ruinous path. So during the First Age, just one little fact, Finrod, one of Galadriel's brothers, was killed through Sauron's servants, deep in the dungeons while protecting Baron, future husband of Luthien. So that part is true in the show that Finrod, one of Galadriel's brothers, died by Sauron. Wait, was Finrod part of your family tree yep. diagram? Yep. Uh, oh, wait. No, no, he's not. So I'll have to add that. Thank you. You're very welcome. So after the War of Wrath, when Morgoth is defeated, Sauron goes to Eonwe and repents. Ionwe is a great Maya and herald of Manwe who led the Valinor army. But Ionwe rebuked him and commanded that Sauron return to Valinor and receive judgment of Manwe. But Sauron was ashamed and unwilling, so he fell back to his evil ways. 
Now, according to the Silmarillion, Sauron tried to find a way to persuade the elves into his service because his ultimate goal was to rule over all. So he disguised himself as the fair-looking Anatar, the Lord of Gifts, and tried to convince the elves that they had much to profit from his friendship. Gil-galad of Linden doubted him, as did Elrond, so Anatar was not allowed to Linden. But in Eregion, where Celebrimbor and other Noldor elves lived, they let him in because of their similar interests in smith work and making of jewels. His motives and those of the Eregion elves seem to go partly together, the healing of desolate lands. This is how the elves discovered how to make the rings of power through his teaching. But of the making of the three elven rings, Sauron had no direct influence over them. So that's all I'll say about him for now. Okay. So Sauron seems to be pretty patient and has an interesting approach to the healing of Middle-earth. It sounds... Sounds like he's more of a master of deceit than a jeweler. Yeah, well, he's both, and he learned well. So on the show, I'm not sure where Sauron is. If Amazon is following the book, then he's supposed to appear as a very fair being named Anatar. And according to Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings, the elves made many other lesser rings. I'm guessing they did this in the effort to figure out how to make the great elven rings. So these lesser rings were but trifles. I'm guessing that Celebrimbor will try to create great rings with the Mithril, but only for it to turn out not right. He creates the lesser rings instead. So maybe in his frustration, he meets Anatar and accepts his help. Then he starts to learn a lot on making of the great jewels. And perhaps this is how the next season will go. I don't know. Me neither. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> so one last question. Why is Sarn obsessed with the Unseen World again, and with these rings? With making the ruling ring, it contains the power of all the others and controls them so that its wearer could see the thoughts of all those who used the rings and could govern them in all that they did and in the end utterly enslave them. So I'm guessing this is the power of the Unseen World that Sarn was seeking in order to have total domination over Middle-earth. Ah, and also where the little private elf army makes all those arrows for Legolas. Still okay. a theory. Still a theory, but you know. Uh, okay, so this is all starting to connect and make a little bit more sense. So you make the book sound really interesting and packed with suspense and action. So my last question, or actually from our listeners, is for those who are new to J.R.R. Tolkien... What order do you think would be good to read the books if we were ever to read these books? Great question from our listener. There are three main books in chronological order, The Silmarillion, then The Hobbit, and then The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings is actually one book and not intended as a trilogy. It was just released as three books to make it more manageable for Tolkien's publishers. Now, The Silmarillion is written through the Elvish Minds, the Hobbit through a human or a Hobbit point of view, and the Lord of the Rings blends them together. And there are many, many, many other books that explain these three books. Christopher Tolkien, one of J.R.R. Tolkien's sons, published like 10 to 20 of these to help explain deeper what his father meant or what he thinks his father meant, but most of it's unfinished. So I don't recommend you read those unless you really want to know. And those are the unfinished tales? And a lot of other books. Oh. 
But my recommendation is that if you're interested in reading Tolkien, first start with The Hobbit. Okay. The Hobbit was the first book that Tolkien published. Then The Lord of the Rings. And then last, The Silmarillion. The Silmarillion is like a history book, and you will be totally lost if you don't understand the events and characters from The Lord of the Rings first. Then would you watch all the movies after that, or would you watch the movies in between those books? Whatever helps you enjoy Tolkien. Oh boy. Okay. Well, that's all that we have for today. We hope that this was interesting and helped you piece together a bit more of Middle Earth. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave a rating and a review. If you have any questions for us to answer, please DM me or leave a comment on my Instagram at Minas underscore Tirith. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode. Namarie. I still don't know what that means.